This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Abortion on demand has been legal in the United States since the infamous 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision. Pro-abortion advocates insist that the ruling cannot be changed or overturned because as a precedent, it's the law of the land. And yet the Supreme Court has thrown out precedent in the past, despite claims to the contrary. In a recent Supreme Court decision that had nothing to do with abortion, some justices seem to indicate that it may be time to revisit the Roe v. Wade ruling. Could this be true? Kevin Terrio of the Alliance Defending Freedom and I discuss this on today's World Luther News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. The undercover investigators who exposed Planned Parenthood's baby body parts trade are still fighting in court to avoid being punished for their shocking expose. This week, Thomas Moore Society lawyer Peter Brain told One News Now that they are working on challenging the civil and criminal cases against David Dalyden and the Center for Medical Progress. Dalyden faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted of the 10 criminal charges that California Attorney General Javier Becerra is pursuing. In the civil case, Dalyden also could be forced to pay $2.2 million awarded by a jury in 2019, unless his appeal succeeds. Green says that they just filed an appeal challenging a Superior Court judge's decision allowing the 10 criminal charges against Dalyden to proceed, this according to the report. A group of pro-life leaders yesterday asked the Trump administration to crack down on illegal internet sales of abortion-causing drugs. More than a year after the Food and Drug Administration warned that certain online providers of abortion-inducing drugs that they were breaking the law, pro-life leaders sent a letter to the FDA asking them to take action against those providers. In March of 2019, FDA warned online providers Aid Access and Rablon to stop prescribing chemical abortion drugs online. Aid Access writes online prescriptions for the drugs that are then filled out in India, and mailed to women in the United States. And Rablon is an online pharmacy network of websites such as abortionpillrx.com and abortpregnancy.com that offer mail-order access. A diverse array of groups, 17 states and 97 members of Congress, submitted Friend of the Court briefs with the U.S. Supreme Court this week, asking it to weigh in on a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania censorship zone law similar to a Massachusetts law the High Court struck down in 2014. The law at issue in Bruni v. City of Pittsburgh prohibits speech and advocacy, including prayer, in painted zones outside the medical facility entrances. The city chose to paint and enforce such censorship zones on the sidewalk outside only two facilities in the entire metropolitan area, Pittsburgh's two abortion clinics, and banned face-to-face conversations by pro-life sidewalk counselors only. In March, Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys, who represented five sidewalk counselors, challenged the law, asking the Supreme Court to take the case. ADF attorneys filed a lawsuit against Pittsburgh in 2014 on behalf of pro-life individuals who haven't been allowed to speak 
or engage in sidewalk counseling within those zones. The city banned their speech in the zone, not allowing others to talk about the weather, sports, or practically anything else. Pittsburgh Mayor Bill Beduto has been enforcing the law, which he voted for as a city councilor in 2005. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. This is Jedi John Lekomsky <laughs> and Jedi Matt Clark. Bring your droids for 30 minutes of intensive Bible study and Jedi training on Wrestling with the Basics. Saturday mornings at 9.05 on KFUO AM 850. Or on demand at KFUOAM.org. May the Force be with you. And also with you. Saturday mornings at 9 on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide. KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. This is Loha Lutheran Varta Paribadi Ahunu. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Ever since the Supreme Court legalized abortion back in 1973, there have been efforts to overturn it, but the defenders of, but the defenders of uh, the abortions have said that because it's a precedent, it cannot be overturned. And yet, is that really true? In fact, just recently, there's been a court case that all itself was actually unrelated to abortion, seemed to indicate that several of the justices are hinting that it may be time to revisit that decision. On the phone with me today is Mr. Kevin Tiro, who of the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. He's senior counsel and vice president for the Center of Life. Kevin, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Kip. It's good to be here. It is indeed. Kevin, I've, I've been reading several cases here, and uh, this thing seems to be boiling down to, I think, what the legal profession refers to as stereodesis or decisis. What is that? And what is that? And how does that apply? That's right. So, well, it's a Latin term that basically means that you, you want to stay consistent with previous authority. And uh, in law school, they usually pronounce that stare decisis. But uh, you know what? I'm not a Latin. I, I never took Latin, so I might be wrong about that. But basically what it means is that the court is very concerned that 
when a when a decision is made on a particular issue, that we should be able to take that as the law, and the law shouldn't change every time you get a new justice um, or that kind of thing. So this concept that um, that you should have some consistency in the law is what stare decisis is all about. And yet we have a number of instances where the court actually has reversed itself. I'm thinking specifically of well, Brown v. Board of Education, which overturned Plessy versus Ferguson. And then there was the case of, uh, of uh, Gideon versus Wainwright, which completely overturned a number of prior, uh, prior rulings stating that uh, defendants were not entitled to legal counsel in uh, state criminal courses. And now, as I understand, reading the ruling recently, and I think that was the Ramos versus Louisiana, where uh, this was a case, as was pointed out, where it had originally been ruled because there had been a precedent where a person could be convicted without a unanimous jury. Now, several of the justices, and I'm thinking specifically of Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Thomas, seem to indicate in their rulings, in their writings, that maybe it's time to revisit Roe v. Wade and that it may perhaps have been wrongly decided. Well, it's it's difficult to read the tea leaves for the Supreme Court um, as a whole and even for any individual justice at any particular time. And, um, and But certainly there are indications by all three of those justices um, that they um, are interested in, if not rolling back, Roe to overturn it. And, um, you know, as, as Justice Kavanaugh pointed out in his opinion, all nine of the currently sitting justices have overturned past precedent at one time. So it's not that this idea of stare decisis is um, insurmountable. It can be. The question is, what sort of case do you need or what sort of change in circumstances do you need in order to be able to overturn a previous Supreme Court ruling? Well, what are the what are the criteria that have to be laid out on this? I understand that the Justice Kavanaugh has actually listed a number of issues. For example, he said it matters how wrong the previous decision was. It's sometimes a real dispute when it comes down to just when justices just joust over arrest over stare decisis. Uh, you know, uh, Justice Scalia had dissented in uh, Casey ver- in the Casey case, claiming that it, where the court had claimed its hands were tied by precedent, uh, and both uh, by classifying Casey as an overruling precedent, adding a footnote defending the view of the decision, Kavanaugh's seems to have signaled his agreement that Scalia's decision of Casey as an unprincipled hash. Very interesting. Justice Thomas in support, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Gorsuch, Alito have all issued, have all given uh, statements perhaps of support. Justice Roberts, well, who knows? He kind of goes either way on that thing. But there are a number of different decisions where the legal doctrine is, you know, what does it have to be? It, you know, is is the is the original decision actually incorrect? Uh, for example, Justice Thomas 
specifically said incorrect decisions when he was naming uh, regarding to the 14th Amendment, and those included Obergefell v. Harnes and Roe v. Wade. So that's definitely one of the factors, and and that is was was the decision wrong? And and Justice Kavanaugh, in his in his opinion, in the in the Ramos case, said is it is it grievously wrong or egregiously wrong? But what he did is he used three categories to summarize about seven factors that the court has recognized over the years um, to determine that it weighs to determine if a case should be overturned. And, and one of them is, is very obvious, and that is, was was it reasoned properly? What's what's the quality of the in, in legal analysis? And interestingly, on that very first, on that very first factor, um, even Justice Ginsburg has said that it wasn't it wasn't well reasoned a well reasoned opinion. Now she doesn't she doesn't think um, that we should get rid of the right to abortion. She just thinks that it should be housed instead of in the due process clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. It should be governed by the equal protection clause that uh, prohibits discrimination based on sex. So, um, but the bottom line is there are a lot of justices who agree, um, even liberal ones like Justice Ginsburg. Um, that uh, that Roe was poorly reasoned, which is which weighs in favor of overturning it. Well, let's examine this a little bit. Uh, what I'm thinking of is uh, when the Roe v. Wayne decision came down, there was a rather interesting interpretation of the Fourteenth Amendment, where it supposedly went into issues of privacy and. Uh, equal treatment where it was never actually mentioned in the 14th Amendment. Uh, in addition, we've got the, uh, the situation where um, there's the ruling that, gee, you know, the unborn are not human beings, and yet uh, there have been court rulings that have said that they are, and they are thus entitled to equal protection. So it looks like there's a lot of things that are going on here that are percolating behind the scenes. There are, and and one of and you alluded to one of the other factors that the court considers, and that is, have the facts changed uh, since the prior decision? Has the law changed? And and the answer to both of those is is yes, especially the facts. I mean, they didn't have 3D or 4D ultrasound back then to be able to ascertain just how. Uh, well developed the baby is even in uh, even after the first trimester even at 12 weeks the baby basically has everything um, that he or she needs to um, survive other than time and growth um, you got eyelashes and heartbeat and fingernails and and certainly all the organs they just need more time for development so we, they didn't know that back in 1973 so there definitely be some, have been some change in facts that would weigh in favor of overturning Roe. What about when false information is considered in making a decision? One of the things I'm thinking about is there was the one of the arguments made on the pro-abortion side in Roe v. Wade was that something the, to the effect of like 10,000 women die annually from illegal abortions. Well, it turns out that that's not true. In fact, the person who actually made that statement has later come out and said that he just made it up. Right. Interesting. There was no trial, no factual record in Roe v. Wade that was a a normal type of 
testimony that was that was brought in and subject to cross-examination and accepted by a judge. It was all presented to the court basically in briefs by amicus briefs. Um, and, and many of those assertions, factual assertions like you just alluded to, just simply aren't correct. But the court has picked those up and and used them over and over and over again, like this idea that that abortion is safer than childbirth. Well, that's just ridiculous. It's 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 comparing apples and oranges, but they keep they keep saying it because uh, somebody made it up and um, and it's gotten a Supreme Court brief and it's still there. Well, I think there are a number of cases, perhaps you know, that are percolating down at lower levels. And again, I'm I'm reading tea leaves here. I'm not an attorney, so I'm I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> But one of the things I'm looking at is it seems to me that the court, at least some of the justices on the court, seem to be indicating that, you know, this is something that really needs to be reexamined. Now, maybe it has to go up through uh, a number of different court systems before it actually goes up to the Supreme Court. But for the first time in a long time, the court seems to indicate that, yeah, indeed, this is something that really should be reconsidered. Uh, of course, a lot of it depends right now. We've got uh, we've got four conservative justices, four liberal justices, and one who goes both ways. So, you know, when the uh, election is over and uh, a new Supreme Court justice may be, may be uh, put on, this, on the uh, bench, perhaps maybe that's what they're waiting for to see what happens then. So it will be a clear decision one way or the other. That very well could be. And the, you certainly have justices that have made their views very well known, like Justice Thomas last year in the concurring opinion uh, in a case out of Indiana said, said, look, these laws prohibiting discrimination um, prohibiting abortion based upon discriminatory purposes, like the like that the child has Down syndrome, or based upon the race or sex of the child, that's based in eugenics, and that's something that we as a society reject. And and Justice Thomas says that we as a court need to take that up and signal that um, hopefully that that he, along with other justices, might use a case like that. And there are several of them in lower courts right now. Well, I believe Justice Thomas has been especially vocal on the idea that this is indeed a eugenics experiment, not really talking about rights or anything like that. It's eugenics, the same as, uh, well, for example, the the Tuskegee experiment. He he really has. And and of course, uh, interestingly enough, Eugenics is lots of times uh, based in racism. And when Planned Parenthood was first founded, and Margaret Sanger, you know, their their idea their idea was that eugenics was a good thing. You want to call out from society those weaker um, weaker members and weaker classes. And by that, um, she was referring to um, African American folks. And so. Um, eugenics in, is something that is a racist idea. And interestingly enough, in the Ramos case that we were talking about, the Ramos versus Easy case, the, the how many, whether a jury needs to be unanimous, it just came down. 
one of the reasons why the justices said it should be um, overturned is, and, and that, that a unanimous jury should be required is because the concept of a uh, attendant. And so we're looking at how these cases that are not directly linked to abortion are actually opening up the gates a little bit. And again, I'm looking at uh, the uh, concurring reports and, and the other decisions that are made on this. And uh, this is the first time that I recall where a series of justices in the case of in, in a single case have come out and said, gee, you know, maybe precedent isn't really what it, all it should be. Yeah, and and I think and I think as we alluded to earlier, all nine justices are are up for overturning precedent when it's when it's a badly uh, decided decision, and that uh, recent more recent developments have indicated that it's badly decided. Just like the whole idea of separate but equal, and and, uh, and the idea of, of separating. Um, African Americans from everybody else and not giving them equal access was later determined over 50 years later um, that uh, that's just that wasn't a good decision and we need to overturn it. It's been it'll be 50 years in um, 2023 since uh, since Roe and so it's right in that time frame when uh, there's actually a history of overturning. I think that uh, it was Justice Thomas who uh, noted in a concurring report, and I think it was another case, that every justice on the Supreme Court currently, at one time or the other, has voted to overturn a precedent. Yeah, actually, that was Justice Kavanaugh in his concurrence in the Reynolds case. So, yeah, he specifically said that. So what are the, you, you mentioned there are like seven different criteria that have to be fulfilled. Or at least I think this is what Justice Kavanaugh was saying. What are they? Well, they don't necessarily have to be fulfilled, but they, um, but they're the factors that the court weighs. And then if if you get, you know, a weight in favor of overturning, you overturn. If it doesn't weigh in favor, so the first one is the quality of the case's reasoning. Was it was it properly analyzed? The second was um, was it consistent with previous uh, court rulings. The third one, um, has the law changed in the time since that case came down such that um, it really doesn't apply anymore? Um, the fourth one is, are the facts changed? We already talked about that. You know, we know now a lot more about the development of the fetus than we did back in 1973. Um, is, the, is it workable? Um, is, uh, is, is there... Is there any problems with applying it? And of course, we've had a ton of problems uh, applying Roe. We have all kinds of splintered opinions. Every time a case goes up and nobody's really sure how to apply the test and what test should apply. Um, so is it is it workable? That's another factor. And then one of the factors that the uh, pro-abortionist always tout is the reliance interest. Are there a lot of people that have relied upon this and if it changes, it's going to affect the way they do things. And um, I think that that doesn't really weigh against us at all, because the fact of the matter is the people that have relied upon it have already used it. Um, the fact of the matter that it, it, if it were to change and 
in, in, in Roe v. Wade's overturned, and then each state can decide for itself, um, like it does for every other medical procedure, whether this is good for health and good for medical practice and good for society. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of reliance. And, and once again, another fallacy on the reliance is this idea that women cannot have a career um, if they don't have access to abortion. And that's ludicrous. I work with a bunch of women. I'm, I'm related to a bunch of women who have very successful careers and have kids and have never had an abortion. So um, that's a that's a false a false claim, but it's one that the other side um, relies upon quite a bit. And then the last one is the age of the president. And it's really, that's an interesting one because it's hard to tell, you know, if, if what that means. Um, like, as you said earlier, Brown versus Board of Education was over 50 years after Plessy versus Ferguson. Um, this case right here, the Ramis case, uh, had 50 years of elapsed since the previous case that it overturned. Um, so, uh, does a long time or a short time make a difference? I'm not sure, but um, that is one of the factors that the court weighs. How, uh, how involved is Alliance defending freedom in this issue? We're very involved. We've got um, several cases that uh, we've, we are either helping to litigate or that we've brought um, or that we're um, filing amicus briefs in uh, where those cases are limitations on abortion that the Supreme Court could use to roll back and eventually overturn Roe. So we're very involved. Well, let's looking into our crystal ball here. What do we see in the future that's coming? Now, again, I'm not an attorney, so I can crystal ball. And, uh, and I'm not unbiased in this case. I'm really hoping that occasionally, that eventually, the Supreme Court is going to say, oops, we goofed. Let's send this back to the states. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.